I'm Jason Thomas. Welcome to the Hardway MBA, where we empower ambitious corporate professionals. That's you, right? With real-world business knowledge. We interview business leaders who are gracious enough to share their strategic insights and tactical activities to improve your business and career. If you enjoy these interviews, please spread the word because nothing says thank you as well as a referral to your friends and colleagues. Now let's dive in. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jason Thomas with the Hardway MBA. Very excited uh, to bring you another guest today. Uh, Franz Van Udenallen and I have have kind of known one another for a very long time, but I did a terrible job of keeping in touch with Franz. So, <laughs> Franz, please introduce yourself to uh, to our audience here, and I'm really excited to talk to you and, and introduce uh, them to you at some point in the future, too. Great. Well, thank you, Jason. Thanks for offering me this opportunity, and it is an opportunity to spend some time with you just commenting on the topics you uh, wanted to discuss. And just for your audience, uh, this is not scripted at all. It's pretty spontaneous. Uh, as Jason said, Franz van Udenallen, and I always say it very, very slowly for obvious reasons. I practiced a dozen times this morning. All righty. You did well. <laughs> I'm in a second career after having uh, a very diverse, primarily marketing career for about 40 years. Uh, however, I'm not just a marketing geek, as I like to joke, because I've had P&L responsibility, new product introductions, rebranding of uh, products, services, as well as companies, and been involved with turnarounds and acquisitions. Uh, more significantly, for purpose of this conversation, for the last five years, uh, as I like to joke, my day job is a director of executive career development for the executive MBA program at Olin Business School at Washington University. That is a mouthful, but this is academia, and the titles are far too long. Basically, I'm a career coach. I've had the opportunity to coach about 520 executive MBAs, including 70 in Shanghai, and on top of that, I have had the opportunity, and it is an opportunity to coach about 80 private clients because I have a, a private business as well, which is hourly, not months and thousands of dollars like most coaches. Nothing wrong with those coaches. What I do is different. And uh, therefore, what I bring to any conversation or client is certainly my own experience, but really more importantly, what I have learned from 600 other executives. Because if you have an open mind, you cannot help but learn from other executives, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So uh, some of my insights, some of my biases, and I do have strong points of view, which I always uh, welcome people to challenge. I love it when I get a challenge. I love it even more if I cannot overcome someone's challenge. Great. They have a better idea, word, tactic, strategy, direction. I co-opt it, put it into program, give that individual credit. The program uh, becomes more valuable. So in our conversation, You'll hear some uh, views, some of them politically incorrect and contrarian, but uh, it won't it won't be filtered at all. Awesome. I can't wait. So one of the things that I noticed, and, and you touched on this as you were, were introducing yourself there, uh, the interesting thing to me about your career is that transition point. I mean, you you if I looked you up on LinkedIn and you spend some time and everybody else is going to, too, by the way, uh, you spend some time looking at Franz's uh, LinkedIn 
account there, and you'll see all this rich marketing background. And now the the transition to uh, you know academia coaching. You know, tell me a little bit about that. Tell me kind of what what caused that, and what some of the more um, the the keys to making that a a good transition. And that's not that's not an easy thing, I wouldn't imagine. Sure. I am uh, both lucky, but I've been deliberate in identifying the last five years or so. I made a decision to pursue the advice I gave my three adult children, and that is seek that which you love and you'll never work a day in your life. I like people. Uh, The more diverse, the better. And even in my traditional corporate business career, I always ended up spending time mentoring. Uh, Not that anybody asked me to or assigned uh, it to me. Uh, And I spend most of my time mentoring downward and uh, horizontally as opposed to upward. Uh, I probably should have spent more time (laughs) mentoring upward or interacting upward. And I really always enjoyed that so that when I was downsized at age 61 and doing my knee-jerk thing, looking around for VP marketing-type roles, I realized that I was competing against 41-year-olds, making significantly less money than I, more technologically savvy. So that really wasn't going to work. So what I did was I got myself out there, and that's the discipline part, because nothing will happen unless you show up. So I started showing up by mentoring, uh, being asked to give some talks, etc., And that sort of randomly led to my filling this position, which is a new position. So there are really two aspects to the transition. One, securing a position. And and the key there is you've got to have the discipline uh, to show up and walk into some opportunities, sometimes luck into opportunities. Uh, The second element is that I had a pretty good idea of what it is I like to do. And uh, it's been a blast. Uh, I look forward uh, to going to work every day. And as soon as I get in front of someone, uh, the time flies. My coaching is usually two separate three-hour sessions. You finish a three-hour session, it feels that my client and I have been engaged for only 30 minutes because it's all about the client. And uh, people like to talk and I like to listen. And then we collaborate. So really what I've done is leverage 40 plus years of a typical corporate career, but overwhelming focus on people. And to get to your question about marketing, uh, marketing is people, especially on the B2C as opposed to the B2B Mm -hmm. way. But even with B2B, you're interacting with people. I I happen to think, and and your readers, listeners, whatever, may be surprised to hear this, particularly some of the marketing folks. I think marketing is unnecessarily overly intellectualized and unnecessarily made can be complicated. I think it's pretty darn simple. Look at it primarily, not exclusively from the customer's point of view. Doesn't mean you have to agree. Doesn't mean you exclude your own point of view or programs. But if you're looking at it primarily from the other person's point of view, the connection, the product, the service, the coaching will be very much more effective than if you're only looking at it from primarily your point of view. Mm hmm. I take the same approach with sales. Uh, It's not about what I think. It never is about what I think because I don't have the authority to sign the <laughs> sign a statement of work or send me a check. Um, so 
you talk about showing up and and you know walking into opportunities, lucking into. I don't believe that that I don't believe in luck the same way other people do. Um, showing up is part of the luck, right? Um, Absolutely, that's the discipline. Yeah, tell us about that networking piece, that discipline. I mean, when we met, it seemed like you were a pretty prolific networker. It seemed like you knew almost everybody in St. Louis somehow. Um, how do you use that tool now? And how do you, how do you maybe even talk to your coaching clients about using that tool? Sure. This sounds like fluff, but it isn't. One of the key points I make right up front in the coaching is to give more than you take. When most folks go into networking, which I call engagement. I don't like the word networking, and I guess that's my contrarian nature. And the reason why is my observation of most people, and I'm very guilty of this for most of my career, is that A, they do not understand networking. It is a buzzword, has become a buzzword. People tend to only do it when they're on thin ice looking for a job because they're out of a job, or as I say, they're on thin ice. They don't do it well, and they don't do it frequently, and they incorrectly think that effective networking means I'm taking something from you. Mm -hmm. And unless you're truly, you know, uh, an SOB, it generally doesn't feel good for most people to take something from somebody. So I consciously use the word engagement, and I say give more than you take. When you give, it's usually very simple. It doesn't take much time. It doesn't cost any money. For example, if you were interested, Jason, in meeting someone and I offered to introduce you to that person, I would ask you for efficiency's sake, send me a pithy one-liner saying, hey, Franz, thanks for offering to introduce me to Bill Jones. Attach your resume. I shoot a one-liner over to Bill asking him if he would take your phone call, tell him what a wonderful person you are. It takes me less than a minute. Now, presumably, my status with you went up because I did that for you. Presumably, my status with you went even higher if you and Bill develop a friendship, exchange leads, job opportunity, business together, etc. Mm -hmm. So it's easy to give, and it also feels good. I had one of my uh, doctor clients here, executive MBA, point out that when you give, it's the dopamine effect, a runner's high. It literally feels good. So it's easy. It doesn't cost any money. It takes virtually no time. Your status goes up and it feels good. So give more than you take. And I also say, do not keep score. If you reach yeah. out to 100 people over a year and 50 of them blow you off, don't take it personally. Don't let it get you down for two reasons. Number one, do you really want to spend time with them? And number two, the richness that comes out of the 50 people who do respond to you will overwhelm like a tsunami the negative takers who did not respond to you. I always right. say that a goal for engagement should be to identify positive givers without an agenda. And, and when you find those kind of people, you really end up developing friends which mm -hmm. have nothing to do with business and some friends that may impact business between the two of you. It's, it's a richer, more fun way to go about life, both professionally and personally. Yeah. So a couple of, uh, a couple of follow-ups in there. One, the hmm. idea of engaging and giving more than you take. Um, and I think you gave a great example. I think that becomes a challenge for people sometimes. Uh, it's like, 
especially if they've waited too long, if they are on thin ice and they don't feel like they have much to give. Um, how do you how do you work with folks in that camp that maybe, you know, they don't have a job. They don't have a lot of connections. They yep. they are on thin ice. It's an excellent observation and question. Most people do feel that way, especially when they're in between jobs, because A, they're down. Right. Because, you know, we all like to think we're effective. And hey, a lot of people in transition, it is not a reflection on them at all. $100 billion company buys billion dollar companies of duplication. So Joe, the guy in the little company, inevitably loses his job. Right. So that uh, one has to realize that it's not necessarily a reflection on them. And one should not spend too much time explaining why they're in transition. Who hasn't been in transition? Who hasn't been downsized? It's not a big deal. Don't spend time there. That's just spending time in the negative past, which takes time away from the positive future. Mm -hmm. Anybody can help anybody. And let me just give you an example. Number one, by simply listening to that other person. Everyone has a need to be heard. Most people's listening skills, I've noticed, are below average. They interrupt. They finish people's sentences for them. They start thinking about what to say before they've truly listened to that individual. What one should do is listen to understand and only then listen to respond. And ironically, of course, is if you take the time to listen to understand, your response comment will be that much more effective for that person. Simply listening to someone is of aid to them. And based on what you learn, you can help identify how, in fact, you can help them. And it can be as simple as, you know, I'd like to introduce you to my friend, Bill. I can tell that you two would have a lot in common. You'd enjoy the conversation. And because you're in the same space, pharmaceuticals, whatever, uh, you probably ought to get to know each other. It's that simple. Now, think about this. Someone who's out of a job and networking, okay, by definition, they're meeting a lot of people. Right. So they're meeting a lot of new people. What I used to do in working with executive recruiters when I'm in transition or when I'm not in transition, if I get a call from an executive recruiter and he tells me about an opportunity or whatever, and let's say it just doesn't fit, I would nevertheless, at the end of that conversation, always say, you know, George, I'm meeting a lot of people. I'm in transition. Don't ever hesitate to call upon me as a resource. And I will never, ever recommend anybody to you unless they're really, really good. It shows I know the game. I'm offering to do something. And quite frankly, I would be thrilled if the executive recruiter called me and said, hey, I'm doing a search in this area. You offered to uh, be a resource, et cetera. I said, hey, sure thing. Give me a day or two. Let me check my files, et cetera. And if I'm able to recommend a name or two, it's great for the individual that I'm identifying. Mm -hmm. It's helpful to the recruiter. My stock went, goes up with everybody, and I'm maintaining a relationship with the recruiter. So when the next time something comes along that's good for me, I'm on the radar screen. Absolutely. It didn't cost me anything. Yeah. yeah a little bit of time and, uh, and mindfulness. I like that, mindfulness. Yeah. And like you said, a little bit of time. It doesn't take that long. Right, right. So the other thing you mentioned uh, a minute ago is identifying positive givers. Um, I like that concept. I hadn't really thought of uh, uh, engagement or networking, or I hadn't thought about that as a goal for the that activity before. Mm -hmm. um, 
Do you have, I mean, in my gut, I kind of get a sense of what a positive giver is. Do you have a definition? Do you have a way that uh, helps people identify those positive givers efficiently? Yes, and it's an absolute no-brainer. Everything I share with folks are no-brainers. I don't believe in complicating anything for two reasons. Number one, I want to be able to understand it myself. <laughs> and B, I want to make sure there's comprehension. It is not a dumbed-down approach. Trust me, it's, it's, much of this is philosophical, and I'm going to give you an example uh, in just a few seconds. Let's say you go to a, quote-unquote, networking event. And there are 40 people there, and the networking schmoozing goes on between 6.30 p.m. and 7 p.m. before the speaker comes on. You don't know a soul. And the only name tags have the first, the name tags only have the first name. No company, no position, blah, blah, blah. Okay. You want to use your time, your investment time wisely. You scan the room and you see someone that you want to approach because of the way they're dressed, the way they conduct themselves, etc. And you approach them. And what most people will do is express something like this. Hi, my name's Franz. I'm brand manager Monsanto. I work in the corn area. Uh, my objective here is to meet the speaker, etc. blah, 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 okay? It kind of turns off the other individual, and maybe they'll say, what do you do or whom are you with? Now, nothing inherently wrong with that, but kind of limiting, not that it can't grow. I recommend that you approach someone, and let's say the person's name is Colette. Hi, Colette. My name's Franz. Nice to meet you. What brings you here? And then you zip your lip and then you listen. And Colette might say, well, thanks for asking. I'm the speaker. My husband's the speaker. I'm on the membership committee. I'm meeting some friends here. I've heard a lot about the speaker. I'm really interested in the topic. I'm from out of town. Saw this on your website. Actually, I'm here to network because I'm in transition. I think I just rattled off eight or nine pieces of information. So based on what you've heard, you can then humbly take control of that conversation and make it rich and relevant for Colette. Mm -hmm. If you make it rich and relevant for the other person, it's rich and relevant for you, and you actually get a conversation going. Now, let's assume that Colette's response is, I, 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 I. She never shuts up. She never asks you one question about you. Would you guess that Colette is a giver or a taker? <laughs> it's pretty obvious. It's yeah, that no-brainer so again. <laughs> I would get myself out of that conversation politely no reason to diss anybody ever but do you really want to invest your time there yeah if colette's response is short sweet you notice the pronoun we you hear use of the word team and she shortly turns it over to you and says how about you franz what brings you here it's still a guess but would you guess she's a giver or a taker yeah definitely more likely a giver probably a giver so with four little words yeah. what brings you here you have humbly taken control of your incredibly precious investment in time at this gathering of 40 people. Yeah, that's great advice and very tactical. Uh, something that folks can put to use tomorrow when they go it's to that brainer. Friday happy hour, right? So, yeah, we've talked about <clears throat> we've talked about people in transition. Um, I know if you're really engaging and you're engaging well with your 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 network you uh i keep see i use that word a lot um the, everybody uh, does i told you i'm a contrarian yeah if you are engaging when when you're not in transition right optimally 
Um, yes, absolutely. Engage for the long term, not the short term, and engage strategically and selectively. So tell me more about that, strategically and selectively as – Sure. You know, as I'm sitting here or our, you know, our listeners are sitting here, they have they're, they're in a great position. They're they're hustling to make it work and make it go and, and yep. make the best of the opportunity they have in front of them. Mm-hmm. Um, how do they how do they use these skills you're talking about to do that? Sure. You have to sleep. Let's say you're married. You got two point seven kids. You're working not 40 hours a week because nobody works 40 hours a week. It's in a reasonable position. So there's precious little time. You're describing my life, Franz. <laughs> <laughs> so you can't engage network obsessively in that environment. Right. Like someone who's out of a job. They can and should engage the network obsessively. OK. But all of us can engage strategically and selectively. For example. Get on the websites for the universities, Washington University, SLU, SAU Edwardsville, Maryville, etc., and other organizations. Look out 30, 60 days and see what's going on. And most of these events, by the way, are free. And you see a topic or a speaker and your reaction is, aha, that is going to attract the kind of people that I want to meet. So you tell your wife, husband, whatever the situation is, honey, next Thursday night, I probably won't be home till 9 p.m. because I really want to attend this conference at 7 p.m. over at Washington University or wherever it may be. You show up. 40 people show up. You engage with four that you want to stay in touch with. You only stay in touch with the people you want to stay in touch with. So if you do that once a month, and I think anybody can do that once a month despite their rigorous personal and professional schedule, you've just met 48 people. If you do it twice a month, which I think is manageable also, strategically and selectively, you've just met 96 new people. That's an example of engaging for the long term, not short term, and engaging strategically and selectively. And you're in control, but you're not going to go to a conference that has absolutely nothing to do with your either your area of interest or your field. Yeah, absolutely. I That's great advice. Um and I would suggest everybody that's listening uh, go to that website right now. I mean, go to WashU's website or go to your local university's website and, and find the events that uh, are going to attract the right people for you. Um, there's always something going on at universities, always. Yeah. And I, I think it's probably uh, for me, I know I'm speaking from uh, you know my own personal biases. I overlook those events. I don't look at the, the universities and really – go go to everything that I could I know I know I don't um so the this podcast as I've alluded to we're we're all about a real world uh, business education uh it's really for hustlers it's for guys that are grinding out every day um many of many of our listeners are up and comers you and I haven't met them yet we we hopefully will at some point as they uh rise to the ranks and and are uh, learning something new every day and applying it. What's the most important advice you might give to that next generation of business leader, the folks that are in that position and they're 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 trying to learn something uh, every day that they can put into practice? Sure. Well, first, have an open mind. No one is omniscient, and therefore you can learn from anybody: the good, the bad, and the ugly. Because time is limited. If you have the opportunity 
to spend time with what I will describe as older successful people, try to do that because they have wisdom. They have achieved success and Forbes magazine uh, has a technique that they use when they come out with their uh, the 400 richest people in the world. You know, they're all billionaires. They've got a little caption underneath each person that says self-made or inherited. It's overwhelmingly self-made. You know, there's a, this stupid perception that the fat cats up top are taking advantage of everybody and uh, inherited their wealth, etc. That's the minority. Now, think about this. Anybody who's self-made has worked their butt off. I'm yep. not talking 50 hours a week. I'm talking 60, 70 hours a week. And they're proud of what they've achieved so that when they are approached by another person, particularly a younger person, and they're approached tactfully, diplomatically along these lines with an open-ended qualitative question, Bill, if you wouldn't mind, could you share with me your description of the culture of this industry? And given your success, what have been the keys to your success? And what advice would you have for a younger person like myself who's seriously considering this industry? They will talk forever because they're proud and should be proud of what they have achieved. They love giving advice, particularly to younger people. You're not a threat to them. You're not going to buy their company or take their job, for heaven's sakes. And you'll get wisdom from those folks. Not that you can't get wisdom from a younger person, but the probability of getting more wisdom from an older successful person is higher, and they're not mutually exclusive, of course. And I can envision conversations such as, you know, I need to introduce you to my friend George. I don't know if George has an opportunity for you, but I know you two would hit it off. Mm -hmm. And then you expand, obviously, and basically you're interacting with folks who have more influence, more connections, and, and have wisdom. And out of that can come friendships, relationships, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, from my own personal experience, I think you have to take uh, your advice uh, that you gave earlier about not taking it personally if those folks don't get back in touch with you uh, right. right away. I mean, man, they're, they're, they're probably still working 70, 80 hours a week, and you're not the only email in their inbox or voicemail on their cell phone. Correct. <laughs> Good point. Yep. Yeah. Um, if you are, you might not, that might not be the person you wanted to get in touch with to begin with. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, Franz, thank you so much for taking the time to, uh, uh, to chat with us today. I, I think this has uh, been illuminating for me. And what, what I always ask my listeners to do uh, is get in touch with, get in touch with our guests. Uh, tell Franz what you've learned from this conversation that you're going to put into practice tomorrow, that, that piece of tangible advice that's going to help you further your career, uh, make you better at what you do. Uh, Franz, what's the best way for people to reach out to you uh, if they'd like to do that? Sure. And let me add one comment. Uh, Please. In addition to their commenting on what's been valuable, uh, I welcome critique and I welcome challenges. So please don't just share, gee, this was good advice. Uh, don't hesitate to contact me and say, I disagree with this and here's why, or I'm not really clear on that, or could you give me an example of that? Be happy to chat with people. Best way for them to reach out to me is just call me, 314-378-3816. And in terms of my private practice, I never, ever, under any circumstances, take on a private client. I've made no exceptions. 
unless I sit down with them for an hour first pro bono. And the reason I do that is I literally don't feel very good about charging someone unless what I do meets their needs. Mm -hmm. I'd rather get together for an hour. Let's chat. And if I meet your needs and you want to engage me, great. If I don't meet your needs, you do not want to engage me equally great. Still give you some tools electronically, et cetera. So yeah, just reach out. Sounds great. And I would encourage, please, uh, if you're, as you're hearing this, take the, the 30 seconds to invest in a relationship and engage with somebody like Franz. Uh, and as always, CC me on that note that you, or, or I guess it's going to be hard to CC me on a note that's a phone call, isn't it? Well, you know, um, hey, hey <laughs> e email is efficient, so they may want to use an email first. And I'm, I'm on Gmail, and it's, I don't know how you do this, but F as in Frank. I will put it at the uh, bottom of the page. Yeah. Terrific. Yeah. Yeah. I will, I will include that in the show notes. Yeah. In fact, if, send an email first and I'll call you back guaranteed. I will call you back and then we'll, we'll chat. And if one wants to get together for an hour, terrific. Perfect. And, and CC me on that note to Franz so that, uh, uh, you're also engaging in a relationship with me that gets a little more tangible than just hearing my voice on the, through your, your, your earbuds as you're jogging or something. Um, thank you again, Franz. Really appreciate the time today. My All pleasure. Your insights uh, invaluable. Thanks for thinking of me. Okay. Bye now. Bye, Franz.